Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel. Honestly, you don't want to be taking generic legal advice from a YouTube channel or podcast in any event. On with the show. YouTube's doing what? On Unintended Consequences, COPA and the FTC. Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing partner of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today we have a story that hits a bit close to home, especially if you're watching this video on YouTube. Uh, Then it's important to note that in the news today, YouTube had a few things hit. This actually appeared on my social media, on my Twitter feed earlier today, and it seemed like a somewhat unilateral YouTube decision. So we're going to read through that Twitter thread right this second, but then we're going to read on their blog post, then we're going to read some other news items that absolutely are the foundation for why YouTube made this move. We're going to read through some federal regulations to see exactly where they may have had some issues before they made this move at all and why those regulations probably need some updating because the fact of the matter in this technological age in 2019 is that these social media entities didn't exist when the regulations were drafted, didn't exist when people were thinking about what children should and shouldn't be exposed to online. And YouTube maybe is not a great actor. Obviously, I have a number of videos in virtual legality that talk about things in their terms and conditions that I don't love, actions that they've taken that I don't like, some other things that I think that they do well. In this particular case, I think this was a change that they basically had to make based on what was being accused of them, but ultimately is not a change that I think is very useful for a lot of people. So let's take a look at this thread. It says today, and this is about a couple hours ago, today we're sharing several changes designed to better protect data on children's content on YouTube starting in about four months. So it's September 4th right now, four months. They mean for this to start essentially at the start of 2020. And we will see that this was part of what amounts to a settlement with the Federal Trade Commission, although that's not really mentioned here, I don't believe. It says in four months, We will treat data from anyone watching children's content, keep that term in mind, on YouTube.com as coming from a child, regardless of the age of the user. This means we will only collect the data needed to support the operation of the service, the packets moving back and forth, exactly what is necessary to get you the videos and nothing else. We will assume for our purposes that if you are watching somebody play a crane game in an arcade, which I do like to do from time to time, those are some fun videos, then we are going to assume that that's for kids and we are going to take the following steps. Step number two, personalized ads will stop running on content made for kids. Now, this doesn't use some of the big terminology that YouTubers are familiar with, with people that follow this kind of landscape are familiar with, but this as I read it means that this will be demonetized right? You won't be able to serve advertisements on videos targeted at kids, what they call made for kids. That's going to present a problem because monetization is really the reason why there are so many videos on YouTube, why so many people spend the time to make videos and podcasts on YouTube. This video that you are watching right now is monetized. Now, I don't make very much from it, but 
that's not really the point in virtual legality, but it is monetized because it's available and there's really no reason not to because we are putting good content out there. We do this pretty periodically throughout the week and why not monetize it? In this particular case, if you are instead aimed at things that are fun for children, maybe even educational for children, you can no longer monetize your videos. And that's going to be an issue, especially when we start to see exactly why and how they're able to identify what is content made for kids. It says further, features like comments and notifications will no longer be available on videos made for kids. If you find a channel that you love that has good educational content because it's for kids, you can no longer be notified of those videos when they become available. And you can't comment on them. You can't discuss things. You can't potentially make them aware of maybe a small error that they made in their math that they're teaching or their writing or their history or whatever. You can't have that discussion. Those features are going to be removed because they are going to assume that everything that is made for kids, quote unquote, is being aimed at a child, that a child is receiving it. Even if you are like me, and I think a little bit older than a child, certainly in the age of majority under most laws. Step four, creators will have to identify content made for kids. Now, if you're not familiar with it, when you put up a video like this one, you go through a number of menus before you put it up. You write the description. You do a lot of things. You check a lot of boxes. You say whether or not there's sponsored content that appears in your video so that you can have that box come up that uh, informs people that there's sponsored content in your video. I presume this will be another box that you have to check. Is this made for kids? Is this not made for kids? And proceed from there. The problem with this, of course, is it's self-identification. And at the same time that it's self-identification, you are also saying, if you check this box, we will not let you monetize this video. So as a lawyer, as someone that regularly deals with rules and regulations, I look at that combination and say, you are asking for people to not follow that rule. You are begging for it. They say we will additionally find videos in this category using machine learning, but I suspect they are a long way away from that, given the fact that the reason we're having this conversation is because they had so much difficulty with videos that were on their service that maybe some people didn't appreciate, some comments that people didn't appreciate, and YouTube has been dealing with this now for years, and they haven't been able to really isolate videos in that fashion, certainly not with a category as broad as quote-unquote made for kids, which would include live action of arcade skill crane machines like I talked about, educational cartoons, Hasbro commercials, whatever else it might be, presumably those things are made for kids, but they won't be able to identify them on, them, on their own. Now, big corporations, they're probably going to follow the rules because they have some money to find. They have uh, damages that YouTube could seek against them for breaching their contract. Individual creators, probably not. And so you've created this kind of catch-22, this premise that says, hey, if you check this box, you can't make any money here. And also from a market standpoint, why are you making this video? You're going to be cutting these people's income in half. And I say only in half because there are YouTube Red subscribers that contribute money. That's the premier uh, YouTube service that contribute money just by viewing your video. And when you see these things kind of isolated, you get about half from ads and half from the subscribers. And so they will cut their money in half. And at the same time, that will reduce the amount of videos that are available. That will reduce the good content and really only advantage bad actors. That will advantage the people that don't check that box and presume that they won't get found out. And maybe if they add a little bit of adult content now to their kids' content, maybe it's not aimed for kids and that would be something that they could use to defend themselves. Is that something that we really want? Do we really want educational materials that are actually slightly adult so that they could at least defend themselves to YouTube if the YouTube police came calling? 
Finally, YouTube continues its thread with, we know a lot of parents and kids watch YouTube together, which means these rules really don't make sense in that specific instance because the parents are watching what their kids are watching. But for kids watching alone, we recommend using our app, the YouTube Kids app. It's been available since 2015, and we will continue to invest in it with more parental controls and a higher bar for qualifying channels. And we see if we look at their blog, they go into a lot of this in more detail. This is where their thread really came from. They say they have new data practices for children's content on YouTube. We are changing how we treat data. Starting in about four months, we will treat data from anyone watching content on YouTube that is aimed at children as coming from a child regardless of age. This means we will limit data collection uh, and use on our videos made for kids only to what is needed to support the service. We will also stop serving personalized ads on this content and some features like notifications and comments will no longer be available. In order to identify content made for kids, creators will be required to tell us when they're content falls in this category. And we'll also use machine learning to find videos that clearly target young audiences. For example, those that have an emphasis on kids' characters, themes, toys, or games. And we'll see that list come up again when we talk about the regulation here. But that's an important thing to note as well. What if it's just popular with kids? What if you intended this to be really, really popular with 40-year-olds in Michigan, and instead it became the talk of the town for 12-year-olds in Maine? Is that your problem? Is that YouTube's problem? Is that somebody else's problem? You didn't identify it as for kids, even if YouTube can see that kids really like it. I will tell you right now, kids are mostly not watching virtual legality. This might come as a surprise to you, but for the most part, the YouTube demographics that I see suggest that this video series and this channel in general is enjoyed by folks that are over the age of 25 or so. So that's not kids as we're talking about today. They also say they've got improvements to YouTube Kids, which is their app if you plan to allow kids under 13 to watch independently. Tens of millions of people use YouTube Kids every week, but we want even more parents to be aware of it, that a number of people just use YouTube.com. They don't even know YouTube Kids exist. Please go over there if you've got kids stuff. We think we can take care of you over there. Finally, they say they're going to invest in family creators. Why do they say that? Because they understand what we just talked about in this video, which is that this is going to be significantly problematic for people that are making innocuous children-related material that otherwise was getting personalized ads, was getting monetized, served to them. And that's not going to happen anymore. So YouTube is establishing a $100 million fund dispersed over three years, dedicated to the creation of thoughtful, original children's content on YouTube and YouTube Kids Globally, which I'm sure is what everybody wants. I'm sure what everybody wants in terms of thoughtful, educational kids content is coming only from YouTube because YouTube as a corporation has had no problems whatsoever with any problematic materials appearing on their service or any issues that parents might have with the stuff that YouTube itself would create. I think in general, I'm an advocate for a kind of breadth of uh, understanding and experience here that the more people that are in this space, in any space, but in a space like this is useful, that you can isolate bad actors and have good actors participate. Unfortunately, the law doesn't really agree with that right now. And so I looked at this and I said, that's a really interesting change for YouTube to make on this random Wednesday in September. I wonder why that happened. So I was looking up a few things and at the very same time that this thread and blog was coming out, a certain CNN article come out, which I've now highlighted for you as well. Google and the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, reach a $170 million settlement over alleged YouTube violation of kids' privacy. Ah, it all becomes clear. As a matter of fact, it becomes even clearer when we look at this article in counterpose to what the FTC actually said. 
It says Google has agreed to pay a record $170 million penalty to settle accusations that YouTube broke the law when it knowingly tracked and sold ads targeted to children. The settlement involves the largest ever penalty under the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act, which YouTube allegedly violated by collecting user information from kids to fuel its behavioral advertising business. Now, we're going to talk about the details here, especially when we look at the actual language of COPA, the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act. But YouTube was somewhat caught in a muddy middle here. And so I am at least slightly sympathetic to what happened to YouTube, why it might have thought it was in total compliance with COPA, even if under the table or with a wink and a nudge, it knew that maybe it wasn't in total compliance with the COPA system. They use an account service on YouTube, right? You can access YouTube, great, but you can also use an account on YouTube, and those accounts are limited to people that are over the age of 13. That's because of COPA. We're going to look at that in the language about children are people that are under the age of 13. And so YouTube was able to say, hey, we only accept accounts from people that at least state that they're over the age of 13. But at the same time, they were also telling their corporate partners that YouTube was reaching a lot of kids that were under that age. Now, YouTube could say, and they wound up, they did say to the FTC and to others that, hey, while it might reach those kids, we assume those kids are watching with their parents because their parents have the account and that's what we can track. Uh, But that wasn't what was found by the FTC. This is a long article. You can go into it. I will link this in the description. It talks a little bit about FTC quotes and things like that. But whenever we get that kind of material, I prefer to go to the source. And so the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, actually issued a press release at the same time. And I believe that they're having a press conference right now on this. But it says, in a complaint filed against YouTube, the FTC and the New York Attorney General allege that YouTube violated the COPA rule by collecting personal information. Now, what information? Not name, not social security number, not address. The form of persistent identifiers that are used to track users across the internet from viewers of child-directed channels. So basically what YouTube is accused of doing here is collecting IP addresses and being able to link those to what people might go to watch on their on their YouTube service. Technically, probably without an account, I would imagine, although it's a little bit unclear exactly how this worked. But what the FTC really got them on is that touting of their efficacy to reach kids. The quote I've got here highlighted says, YouTube touted its popularity with children to prospective corporate clients. Yet when it came time to complying with COPA, the company refused to acknowledge that portions of its platform were clearly directed to kids. There's no excuse for YouTube's violations of the law. For example, Google and YouTube told Mattel, maker of Barbie and Monster High Toys, that YouTube is today's leader in reaching children ages 6 to 11 against top TV channels. And told Hasbro, which makes My Little Pony and Play-Doh, that YouTube is the number one website regularly visited by kids. Despite this knowledge of channels directed to children on the YouTube platform, YouTube served targeted advertisements on these channels. They, They were monetized. According to the complaint, it even told one advertising company that it did not have users younger than 13 on its platform, and therefore channels on its platform did not need to comply with COPA. In addition to the monetary penalty, the proposed settlement requires Google and YouTube to develop, implement, and maintain a system that permits channel owners to identify their child-directed content on the YouTube platform so that YouTube can ensure it is complying with COPA. So we see that this settlement was not only $170 million, but it was also everything we just saw announced today, and that the Federal Trade Commission gave them four months to act. That is the context for these news stories that you are seeing in respect of YouTube. These are combined. The FTC settlement and what YouTube has decided to do, those are all one and the same for what is happening today, which is probably no surprise to those of you that are following this pretty closely. 
But the question as ever is, did YouTube actually violate the law? Did they violate the law with these allegations? I would say that the question is still somewhat open. And you say, Rick, well, they settled the claim, so they must have violated the law. And I would tell you this, the economics of law, of litigation in general, of dealing with regulatory bodies is such that if you get a deal that winds up sounding like it will cost you less than what it could potentially cost either in public relations or in legal fees or in anything else to actually go through with fighting the claim, it's at that point that you wind up settling. Federal Trade Commission gets a lot of settlements from these companies rather than going all the way through the litigation process. They just settled with Facebook for, I think, $5 billion for the stuff with Cambridge Analytica. And so the FTC and YouTube and Google have agreed on this. $170 million isn't actually that much in the scope of these businesses because it looked like from YouTube and Google's perspective that if even if they were going to win this, it would take too much time and too much effort. And this was fine. They needed to make these changes anyway. They could spin them in a public relations way to get people on their side for what's happening. But if we actually look at the law here, and we've looked at COPA before, it's not that clear that they were actually in full violation. So let's just take a, a little look at this rule. And again, part of this is unintended consequences. What you've got now on YouTube is essentially a defunct set of rules for anything that is going to be facing children. And I say defunct, it's, it's not going to be functional. You don't have notifications. You don't have comments. You can't have advertisement. You're going to see a reduction in the people that are making any kind of content like this. Maybe that's okay with you. Maybe it's not. But that's not what COPA was really designed to do. COPA was designed to be a preventative action. It was designed to essentially get websites compelled to go get parental consent if you're going to aim something at children. And so YouTube said, all right, we are only going to have accounts that are available to people that are over the age of 13, which means they are not children for purposes of this rule. And to the extent that account is logged in, we can serve them advertising because we know that that account is not a child account. And if it is a child that is viewing something through a parental account, we will have at least in the back of our minds as a defense mechanism, we can say that it was consented to. If the child has access to the parental account, then the child is acting through the parental consent, and at least that's some kind of defense. This actual rule requires a little bit more, and that's where YouTube, I think, got tripped up on some of their claims, and frankly, because nobody believes them on this stuff, and I don't really blame you. YouTube and Google are that kind of company that it's hard to believe them when they make these claims in public, whether it's to a government regulatory body or not. But that's where I think the issue was. So we see a child is anyone under the age of 13. Collect or collection means includes passive tracking of a child online. So if you are passively tracking someone that's under the age of 13, you are in the act of collecting their information for purposes of this rule, which is what they are accused of doing with IP addresses or whatever other kind of passive data collection can happen. Personal information for this purpose as a defined term includes not just the stuff you would think of as personal information, first and last name, address, social security number, but also a persistent identifier that can be used to recognize a user over time and across different websites or online services. So if YouTube sees your IP address, sees your relative address and assigns you a big long number, and then when you next come back to the website, it can see, hey, that's you, we know what ads to give you even if you don't use our account. That is personal information for purposes of this rule, even though we probably don't think about it like that in most instances. So in this case, YouTube is accused of making one of these numbers for kids, not really caring whether they're kids or not, and using them to serve up ads on the latest My Little Pony commercial. Now, a website or online service directed to children, which is the main thing that we're talking about here, is any portion of a website 
that is directed to kids. And the commission gets to decide what that means. And it will consider its subject matter, visual content, use of animated characters, child-oriented activities, incentives, music, audio content, age of models, presence of child celebrities or celebrities who appeal to children. I love that difference. Language or other characteristics of the website or online service, as well as whether advertising, promoting, or appearing on the website or online service is directed to children. In other words, if we are talking about something like My Little Pony, where other Hasbro commercials pop up, it's animated, kids love it, regardless of whether or not you've got bronies out there that also love it, it's directed to kids. And because it's directed to kids, all of these rules in COPA start to be applied. And the basic rule is this. It shall be unlawful for any operator of a website or online service, which we will concede that YouTube is for this purpose, that is directed to children, because they have this portion that is going to have cartoons on it. And that's going to be directed to children by virtue of the way this is all written, the defined terms and everything else. Or an operator that has actual knowledge that it is collecting or maintaining personal information from a child. It is unlawful for them to collect personal information, to use those persistent identifiers from a child in a manner that violates the regulations here. So if you do that, if you operate a children's site or a portion of your site is aimed at children, you can't use these passive identifiers unless you provide notice on your website about what you collect from children, you obtain verifiable parental consent on the fact that you're using that data, and you provide a reasonable means for a parent to review the information collected from the child. Uh, So basically what this says is if you are going to do what YouTube is accused of doing, you have to go get parental consent. And the fact that you're using accounts in a specific way doesn't really help you necessarily. And the fact that you might be saying, hey, we said nobody under 13 can use this site. That doesn't help you because you're not otherwise verifying the ages of people that are using the site. The end result of this, the end result of the application of COPA in this manner is the absolute decimation of children's content on YouTube. Now, like I said, you might think that's fine. You might say, hey, Rick, children should be going and they should be playing outside. Or, hey, Rick, kids shouldn't be watching this stuff uh, on YouTube anyway. And to some extent, I agree with you. I don't think kids should be watching YouTube alone, certainly, uh, to any great extent. We don't have our kids doing that. But if you're watching in a parental and child relationship and you're watching what they're watching, you're making sure it's appropriate for them, I fail to see exactly what usefulness happens with not allowing notifications, with not allowing comments, with not allowing monetization, except for the fact that the FTC extracted this position from you because the way this rule is written is not really designed to allow parental consent by having them be in the room watching what their children are watching. And so at a fundamental level, I think even Google and YouTube and even the FTC would probably admit this if you really force them to. The effect of COPA on YouTube in this manner is a net negative for parents and for children. When COPA was only ever enacted to be a defense mechanism for parents to be able to control what their children see on the internet, that those parents that are doing that, that are a part of that conversation, are no longer permitted the maximum ability of what the YouTube service has to offer because COPA has been applied in this very specific format and not allowing them to determine what is acceptable for their kids, whether notifications are okay, whether they can comment on things. And to my mind, this is just one kind of regulation that has had this happen in the past. There are any number of instances and examples of this, but it goes to speak to those unintended consequences. COPA was made ages ago and needs to be updated. And when you apply it to the modern social media environment, the modern internet environment, you get these kinds of effects. 
And frankly, I think what you're going to see is a marked reduction in content that appeals to kids. I think you're going to see a marked reduction in the quality of the content that is available to kids. I think you're going to start to see what amounts to a YouTube black market in kids-related materials where the person just doesn't elect to check that box. And we'll see if YouTube comes down on them. Certainly when we talk about the incentives at the heart of this, YouTube has every incentive to have a maximum amount of monetized channels offering monetized content to its users. So if those users elect to not check the box, the strong expectation would be that absent somebody complaining, absent someone coming to YouTube like a government regulatory body or someone else, a focus group or something along those lines, then YouTube is probably not going to take a lot of its resources and put them behind trying to figure out who the various outlaws are that aren't checking boxes properly, at least not until they get to a certain amount of popularity. So I think what you've created is essentially the worst of all worlds. You've got negative incentives for the company. You've got negative incentives for the content creators. You've got parents that probably don't like what has happened to their YouTube service if they were working through these issues on a normal parental and child relationship level. And so on top of all that, you've got a set of rules that I don't think can be read to not apply here, although I think Google probably made a yeoman's effort of, of using the account system to try to fight against it. And I think they are in desperate need of updating, and these are the kinds of unintended consequences that can be avoided by an executive branch and a legislative branch that are proactive in making sure that the laws and rules and regulations of the United States and certainly other countries around the world are up to speed with what is actually happening in reality. And unfortunately, that didn't happen here. And you've got YouTube now scrambling to change its rules, change the way it's set up in a fashion that I think is ultimately going to be a net negative for basically everybody involved. And that's been Virtual Legality for today. If you like this, please like, please subscribe to the channel. We are talking about this and more all the time, including postmortems and impressions on pop culture items in addition to virtual legality. If you caught this on YouTube, Thank you so much for watching. We are not going to be checking any box that this is aimed at kids because I, as far as I know, I don't think any kids actually watch this channel. If you listen to this on a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality.